Hi, this is Stephen Hunter, CEO and co-founder at Ninefin, and welcome to a special bonus edition of Ninefin Podcast at Cloud Ninefin. Uh, with me, I'm delighted to welcome Chris Haffenden, our editor. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Chris. So, Chris, why are we why are we doing a bonus podcast this week? Um, because of a short seller report by Viceroy on Adler. Adler is a German real estate uh, business. It uh, primarily has residential apartments. Most of them, or the majority of them, are in Berlin, but also around other German cities. And there has been some speculation in the past about some related party transactions and a little bit of noise around Adler for quite some time. We've seen prices sort of drift off the beginning of this month so that, uh, until this report came out. But when the report came out from Viceroy, bonds got hit pretty hard, down anything between 5 and 10 points in the space of about an hour. And the, the short report wasn't the kind of first that we've, we've heard about Adler this week, right? There was an announcement by the company potentially preempting the report, which was um, to do with some potential asset sales um, uh, earlier on in the week from their existing portfolio. Yeah, they said that they were look. They had a lot of interest. Um, they said from institutional parties for the yielding assets of their portfolio. So should mention that Adler is sort of split. So it has these rent apartments which they're renting out and they get rental income from. But also they have a large uh, development portfolio that they acquired from an acquisition from a business called Consum uh, last year. So this is more relates to the uh, the actual properties that they're actually generating income on. And maybe before we go into the the short seller report and what it alleged in detail, maybe we can zoom it out a little bit for people as well and help them to understand that it's not just one high yield issuer involved here. There's a bit of a web of high yield names, both past and, and more recent. Maybe you can talk a little bit to what the current capital structure looks like here for Adler and its related companies. Yeah, sure. Um, so this started off as a business um, which was ADO Properties, which was a investment-grade business. It's where most of the rental properties were, the better rental properties were. It had a very low LTV, it had an investment-grade rating, and most people viewed it as being a sort of an annuity play with steady sort of rental streams. Um, but that sort of changed in September 2019 when Adler Real Estate actually acquired a 33% stake. Uh, and then quite swiftly it got control of the board and then um, drove a, a reverse takeover. So Adler actually Real Estate uh, was sort of backed into uh, to ADO. Um, at the time that was done at a substantial premium to Adler Real Estate's share price and that caused uh, quite a lot of disquiet by with and ad, ADO bondholders and also the shareholders because the view was that that uh, you know was obviously going to be a much more riskier combined business and there was concerns that they would actually lose their investment grade rating um, and then the next part to that in terms of the development portfolio is when Adler acquired a small stake in Consus which was a developer uh, from certain minority shareholders who we know actually don't actually know who those people are and at the same time there was a poison pill granted to a company called Aggregate Group uh, and Aggregate Group then actually agreed to sell its 51% stake in Consus uh, a couple of months later uh, and that um, gave them a consideration where they actually had a 26.2% stake in Adler Group so effectively they became the largest shareholder of Adler Got it. So up top, you've got Aggregate, which has a shareholding in Adler Group, which uh, has underneath it Adler Real Estate and also Consus. So there's a lot of 
different entities flying around here. Lots of them had high yield bonds on kind of a standalone perimeter basis. You also had a little bit of renaming in terms of ADO versus Adler versus Adler Real Estate. So it was pretty easy to get confused in the mix of all this. So people are still trying to unpick the, the situation. And not only are the companies all kind of interrelated, they also have related parties involved in, in various different parts of the structure, cross shareholdings, cross ownership, etc. So it's a, it's a pretty complex situation. So maybe with that backdrop, we can move on to the short report itself, which came out from Viceroy. Um, what were the principal uh, allegations in that report? And obviously, we have to keep in mind that they have a position, they're short, so they tend to write um, pretty explosive analysis in terms of they don't really pull their punches. So we take everything with a pinch of salt. But what were the primary allegations that, that were made? Um, I think the first one and the, probably the more salacious parts of that were the concerns about related party transactions uh, and particularly the connection to uh, an Austrian businessman called Sir Kana, uh, who I met um, about over 10 years ago uh, around the collapse of another big German real estate business called Level One, uh, where he had borrowed about 1.2 billion euros, uh, a whole bunch of um, prefab East German apartments that he was looking to uh, to turn around and subsequently most of that was securitized. So the, he um, was at one point charged with fraud. Um, that took about seven or eight years for that case to come uh, to be heard, but he was acquitted uh, in September of last year. So, But there is quite a lot of noise around uh, Serbakana, and also there's, there's some of the transactions relate also to, allegedly, to his wife and also to, to his brother-in-law. So that's one of them. Um, the way that those transactions are being represented by Viceroy is the fact that they're saying that these are not done at arm's length. Uh, a lot of the time these are not done for cash and are done at inflated valuations. And quite often these sort of create a sort of a receivable that then Adler can use not only to um, to boost its sort of the, the valuation of its gross property value by the by using the marking of marking of that as a transaction, but also using the receivable, i.e. the money that hasn't been paid yet. To, uh, to be used to reduce the, uh, the overall LTV. Got it. And so just to frame it for people, you know, LTVs are very important for these types of business because if you were to look at them on a conventional leverage basis, you know, debt to EBITDA, the metrics would look rather scary. And so typically these businesses have tended to market their transactions being on a, a debt to uh, LTV basis, so debt as a proportion of, of, of total assets. So the killer question is really how much are the assets worth? Uh, and that's essentially going to the heart of, of, of part of the problem here for, for Adler and some of the allegations within the report, right? Yeah, so, um, so taking out these concerns about what they call the marking transactions and whether that sort of has inflated the, 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 the gross um, value of the properties, I suppose it's also looking at the fair value of the actual rental properties. So what Viceroy has been saying is that they feel that these properties are probably B and C grade properties rather than A grade properties, but Adler is using cap rates on their discounted cash flow valuation for grade A properties, and uh, the view is that they're using some anecdotal evidence regarding sort of rental values per square metre and some of the maintenance capex they're investing in that portfolio compared to the peers to effectively say, well... Um, no, these aren't grade A, and that you're probably marking them a little bit too tight. Um, so, and they 
they, they come up with a fair amount of evidence for that. And um, so with that, but also the, the other allegations are regarding the development portfolio saying what they're doing is they're marking these at residual value, they're, they're assuming that these will be developed and that they're actually taking into account what they think the full developed value would be. Um, so with those in combination, um, that means that um, Adler has a relatively low LTV. It has a, a reported LTV of between 52 and 54%. But if you look at the Viceroy uh, assumptions that they put together, they're effectively saying their bull case is a 72% LTV, which is very high for a, a real estate business. And the base case is actually as much as 86%. So, so there's a real question around um, valuation and how they're accounting for these assets, as well as the receivable side of things. Are they counting something that isn't cash on, on, on one side of the equation? Are they inflating the prices relative to how their peers value them on the other side in terms of, in terms of assets? Exactly. Um, the, the other question, um, I guess, that comes into this and that Viceroy was pointing towards is the reason these LTVs matter is because when the company raises debt, um, a number of the debt instruments have covenants which are tied to LTV, either in currents or maintenance, depending on the instrument that you look at. And if Adler is, and if Adler, um, if Adler's LTVs are aggressive and they had to mark them on a more conservative basis for one reason or another or go down the Viceroy route in terms of valuation, then they would be close to or breaching some of those LTV covenants under their bond documentation. Exactly. And for reference, they have two main LTV covenants. One is um, a total LTV covenant of 60%. And there's also a senior secured uh, covenant LTV at 45%. So they're the sort of two main ones. And it strikes me as well, even with their current valuation, you know, being in the kind of mid-50s versus a 60% LTV covenant, they weren't a million miles away from it in the first place anyway. No. Um, so it's so it, it's interesting you've got that as a, yeah, as, uh, as a backdrop. The ultimate um, ambition that they have been saying, but they have been saying this for a year, year or so now, is that they want to, you know, to get below that 50% figure, which I think is what they, um, what they require. Got it. Uh, and then there was also some controversy that was raised in the Viceroy report, but not just by the Viceroy report, um, but also there's been some political attention in Germany on the EDIO transaction and what happened there and how the merger with Adler happened. Can you go into that in a little bit more detail? Yeah, so at the time of the transaction, the, the deal was done. It looked like at a, a very rich valuation in terms of what they took out Adler Real Estate at and also there was a lot of disquiet in, as I mentioned before about the fact that they were acquiring a business which had a property portfolio of much higher sort of LTV uh, and the chances were that they were going to lose their investment grade rating which, which they did. So at the time ADO bondholders tried to see something, find something in the documentation to sort of trigger a, uh, an event of default but that didn't go anywhere and the ADO Shareholders pushed very, very hard to, to get an investigation uh, into the, uh, the takeover by BaFin. Now, that has actually been resurrected, not at the moment via BaFin, but via the German parliament. So they've managed to uh, lobby the German parliament to, uh, to push for a parliamentary investigation into the acquisition. And the view is that um, there's a high probability at some point that BaFin will take a look. It might be now, given the, uh, the Viceroy report and the initial... Um, soundings that have been put out by BaFin 
via a Bloomberg story that they are taking this very seriously, that I suspect that BaFin will be bounced into uh, into some sort of investigation. Of course, for, for BaFin, they've had a little bit of trouble recently reputationally in terms of what, what happened. Um, with some other well-known high-profile short, short seller targets, let's say, so maybe they have a little bit of extra political pressure there. So, Chris, what was the price reaction in the market of the bonds on, on the release of this short report? Um, initially, they were uh, down between sort of five and seven points. Um, that was in the morning of the Viceroy report. We did see some rebound in the afternoon. So I suspect at the end of the day that we were talking anything from sort of three to four points down at the end. Aggregate did get hit harder. Um, that was down over 10, 10 points. Uh, and I think for aggregate, it was probably more a reflection of what actually happened to Adler's share price, because Adler's share price was down 20-25%. Because they're effectively a holding company that has an equity interest in, in the group below, so necessarily they should be have a, have a much bigger impact on their debt up top, because they're reliant on that company to send up the, the, the cash in order to service debt that sits at the, at the aggregate level. Exactly. And um, another interesting thing... Um, on aggregate, I suppose, is also just this sort of uh, the relationship that they're, that they're seen to have with Adler. I think it's seen as being a bit more of a leveraged play. So every time you get a movement in Adler, you're probably going to get a two, three times movement in uh, in aggregate. It feels a little bit like Casino Rally, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. similar in terms of you've got an operating company, you've got a holding company, you've got a web of transactions, you've got some potential asset sales going on, you have listed equity at, mul- uh, at a couple of levels, you have... You've had equity before. It's, it feels like an interesting, an interesting situation. And that, that wasn't the end of the activities um, this week. We had we had some more developments. And um, the company came out and effectively said, you know, we, we disagree with the report. We're going to produce you know responses and rebuttals to the report. And what we say is false in this report. And then they came out with essentially a short statement pointing to the valuations that they've had done by third by independent third parties. And they pointed to their auditors having signed off their accounts saying effectively, you know, we stand behind the, the valuations that we have and we'll refute the remainder of the allegations in, in, you know, in due course. Um, yeah, I think another thing that's interesting is the announcement this morning from Venonia, which um, is, had a significant effect on the Adler and aggregate bonds first thing this morning. Um, so Venonia announced effectively that it had an 18-month call option over um, half of aggregates holding in in Adler, so that's 13.3% stake, so it's an 18-month call option. Um, That was at a premium to the current share price. It wasn't at a huge premium to the current share price, but it it was meant to sort of show some confidence in the business. But I think what was more interesting was some of the wording around the rest of the release. So they said that they were worried about the market reaction um, between for, for all the sort of relevant stakeholders in the German residential market about how this could be a problem for having an unstable Adler. I think one of the things also to mention about aggregate is widely believed that aggregate has been uh, borrowing against its share stake in Adler and probably is in trouble with regards to margin loans. So the way that this transaction has been put together seems together with a, uh, a loan that the banks and it looks like uh, Venonia have put together of a lower three-digit million range loan. So we have no idea how much that is, but it looks like it's over 100 million. 
um, will also you know try to send a message that you know this complex is not going to go down. I think there's two interesting things about that. One is what the, what is the motivation for that? Is it because of the fact that Venonia and Deutsche Wohnen uh, at the moment are, com- are trying to consummate a huge merger, which is over 20 billion euros, and therefore they're worried that, that any sort of noise might affect uh, potential valuations or take up of that deal. Um, but you can also take a, a sort of bit more of a negative view on it and say, well, the strike price is actually very low compared to a very, very depressed share price. And if you look at the sort of Adler net asset value, the Adler net asset value is about 48 and a half euros, whereas the uh, the strike on this is at 14. So therefore, you could say that Venonia is actually saying, well, we could actually might be able to buy into a chunk of Adler at a significant discount. It's interesting as well, we talk about, it's almost worries about contagion risk, it sounds like, in the broader sector, in the sense that, I guess, maybe similar to what happened with you know, what's going on with Evergrande, and people were worried, is that going to reprice the whole EM market, never mind just the Chinese market? Maybe there are broader concerns here that this is going to reprice the whole real estate market, not only across debt, but also potentially across equity, and therefore you have some of these bigger players keeping a very attentive eye on what's going on. Yeah, and I think that's because there's some big transactions out there. So there was a transaction that happened uh, recently where a, a big portfolio, including Berlin Berlin Flats, was sold to a, from a, a Scandi investor to a German investor, and the actual yield on that portfolio was 2%, which is the, probably the lowest yield we've actually seen for a big transaction in Europe this year, and that was very Berlin-heavy uh, properties. The Berlin residential real estate market particularly sort of the flat prime flat market has uh, has been on fire over the last sort of two years and there's actually caused uh, a couple of interesting developments one was that they tried to put a cap on rents which uh, was overturned in the courts um so that was obviously a win for the um for the residential companies but there has recently been a referendum in Berlin which is non-binding but is advisory uh, with 54% of the population saying that they wanted the Berlin municipality to actually buy 240,000 apartments so literally bring them on board and have them as uh, as state-owned so that could also potentially cause uh, cause issues as well. So some sector headwinds beyond this specific case okay what do you think comes next in this scenario get out your crystal ball and tell us where you think things go from here. Um, I think there's two things. One is, um, can we actually see some real development on the sales of the properties? How many, actually, how many are they going to sell? There is a, mag- a German manager magazine article apparently out there that says that they're going to try and sell as much as maybe 50 or 60,000 of the 70,000 units. So that would mean there's a huge amount of money that could be coming back to deliver the business. And then that obviously depends on what price levels they are and whether that's actually going to reflect the, uh, the valuations that they already have. And that's good. You could get a BaFin investigation. I think that's highly likely. That should create some sort of short-term noise. Uh, Adler has said that they are going to try and go through some of the allegations um, in more detail and actually try and refute them. And I suppose the other thing for us to think about is how these um, proceeds are going to be applied. So the proceeds, you know, how they're, they're, there's very, very different types of debt at different parts of the structure, with very, very different documents. Does that mean that certain bonds will actually get paid out early or not they've got a 400 million uh, bond which is due next April which looks like it's highly likely they'll go after that Uh, and that's at Adler real estate level as well Um, and I suppose the other thing is to think about is what is Rump Adler going to look like once all all has happened you you are having a business which is very much development based and you know 
can they actually compete in that market? Can they finance themselves at reasonable levels? And you know, what sort of type risk reward do you need as an investor to be an Adler if it's more of a development business rather than a, uh, a rental business? It's a, clearly a very different value proposition, especially if you're a credit investor, steady rental income, annuity type business, low LTVs versus development risk <laughs> type profile where you haven't quite proven that the revenue stream is there yet. Uh, also, I guess one of the other things we'll be, be keeping a close eye on is for you know, any additional reports from Viceroy. They say they've been receiving information and may produce some more materials as well, so we may not be done yet. Um, but also we'll be keeping an eye out for any potential triggers and um, producing analysis uh, at Ninefin on all the various documentations and permutations and things that we come across. So if you have any thoughts on the developing situation at Adler or any of its multitude of entities, uh, do get in touch with us. You can contact us um, via team at ninefin.com uh, or get in touch with uh, Chris or I on, on social media. This is Cloud9 Fin's usual podcast host, Catherine Hidalgo, saying thank you very much to Stephen and to Chris and to you too, listener. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to seeing you next Thursday for our normal podcast.